You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker, and with me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Aaron the Brain coming to us from his brand new place. He's still getting moved in. He's moving in the furniture. That's why it sounds a little spacey there because he's got a little space, but that's okay. We're happy. He's in his new place. He's in his new pad and uh, he's got a little private space. Got a nice clean backdrop here. Uh, it's looking pretty good, Brain. How's the yeah, new place I mean, coming? I- I think it's better than seeing, you know, my bathroom towels in the, in the background. It, it, you know, you know, there's nothing wrong with seeing my diploma in the background, but, uh, look, we got some cleaning up to do. We got some sprucing up to do. You know, it, I think that'll be part of the appeal. Let's see, uh, you know, what happens with this backdrop as, uh, we get closer to the season. Yeah, it's kind of a B plot that as we go through the offseason for the Dolphins, as you see the brain put his new place together, that's going to be fantastic. So if you want to watch every episode of the same old Dolphin show, make sure that you are subscribed to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. Go to YouTube. Type in Dolphins Talk, all one word, and you can subscribe. We are nearly to 1,000 subscribers on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. So thank you to everybody who is coming along for the ride. Lots of new content. We've got some new new contributors popping up over there. So make sure that you're there checking out Fins Talk Today, Same Old Dolphin Show, the Dolphins Talk Podcast, and all the other great content that we got coming your way over there. Additionally, you want to make sure that you are following the show on on Twitter at same old dolphins of course I am at amplified to rock the brain is at Aaron the brain and you can subscribe to the same old dolphin show everywhere that you get your podcasts so make sure you do that folks uh it's going to be a fun show today now that the draft is behind us the brain and I are going to be joined by our good friend David Behrman the uh, deputy editor of sports betting for ESPN.com. He's going to be joining us in the next segment to do a position group by position group breakdown and we'll assess the Miami Dolphins roster as it stands right now before we get into OTAs and rookie camps and all of that stuff. And all we're not going to get into the controversy surrounding that, how the NFL and the, and the teams want to have these events and the players are, are working, are, a certain group of the Players Association is is saying, hey, let's not do this. We don't want to do that. We're not going to get into any of that today because this is a dolphin-centric show. And, and while all that stuff matters, 
Um, it's not really what we're about here. So I think if as, if that story goes on and it be, becomes to looks like it's boiling up to a head and coming to a head, we can maybe do a little bit of a deeper dive into that. But uh, we're going to be focusing solely on the Miami Dolphins here today. So uh, today we're going to start with the big news. And by the big news, I am not, of course, talking about the fact that certain members of the roster, the new players that have joined the team have announced their jersey numbers. Although, Brain, we got a lot of guys with single digits here. You know, let me tell you, how, are you going to rush out and buy that number five Michael Pilardi jersey or what? <laughs> Top of my list. I mean, uh, you got I'll be the only person. If I wasn't the only person with a Rob Conrad authentic jersey, I'll certainly be the only person with a Rob Conrad and a Michael Pilardi. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, I, I'm going to tell you, you might want to be careful before you purchase the number two Albert Wilson. You might want to be a little bit cautious before you buy the number eight Alan Hearns jersey because, well... We'll get into a little bit later on, but there are certain players on this roster right now, some of whom have announced new numbers that maybe might not be there wearing that number in the uh, aqua and orange when we get to week one of the NFL season. But, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But no, the big news of the week here, I think, is obviously that the Miami Dolphins have parted ways with uh, safety Bobby McCain. And this was, I think, pretty clearly a move that the Dolphins made in an effort to just free up some cap space. It really feels like this is more of a one of those business type decisions. Uh, I mean, there now you could also argue that Bobby McCain fell a little bit short as, as it pertains to being, you know, a tackler when you're the last line of defense for the Miami Dolphins out out playing in that secondary and you can't make tackles. That's problematic. Um, the Dolphins feel that they may have been able to upgrade from Bobby McCain at maybe a little bit lower price tag, and and we'll get into that here in just a moment. But the Dolphins have parted ways to, with Bobby McCain. And what is your reaction to that? Is this some move that you saw coming? Well, um, yes and no. Uh, I, I think long term, you always knew that this was going to happen. The, there was just a question of whether it was going to happen this year or whether it was going to happen next year. Um, when they use such a high pick, on Javon Holland, you kind of had to think, okay, well, this, this might mean trouble for Bobby McCain. Then when rumors started swirling that we were looking at Malik Hooker, at that point, you really had to put two and two together and realize, okay, if they're looking at adding a Malik Hooker, they just drafted a Javon Holland, uh, then they're definitely, uh, they're definitely looking at moving on from Bobby McCain sooner rather than later. Uh, it looks like the Malik Hooker talk has kind of been put on the back burner. Uh, but they ended up releasing Bobby McCain anyway, and then they did bring in Jason McCourty, uh, of course, uh, a member of the Patriots for a couple of seasons, uh, you know, under under uh, Brian Flores. So uh, I think th this further... It further cements, you know, it, it, it's shaping this secondary into the image that Brian Flores wants to put it, wants to make it. Uh, I think Bobby McCain was never a great fit for what Brian Flores wanted in that position as a deep safety. But to Bobby McCain's credit, he has been a great pro and he's been a guy that has done everything that they've asked him to do, even though it hasn't necessarily been his strength. Remember, Bobby McCain was brought in and 
as a as a rookie and, and a second year guy was uh, an outstanding slot corner. And then he was asked to be an outside corner. They realize he's not an outside corner. Then Brian Flores comes in and they start asking Bobby McCain to be a deep safety. And I, I think a lot of people were, were thinking, you know, is this going to work out? That's probably going to be one of the bigger holes on the roster. And to Bobby McCain's credit, you know, he, he struggled a lot with tackling in, in 2019. Uh, and he, but he also played hurt a lot in 2019. And this past season in 2020, I thought he made great strides as a tackler, but more so than that, his leadership in the secondary, his communication skills on the back end of that secondary really helped that unit be one of the truly elite units in the entire National Football League. And I think you're, you're losing in Bobby McCain more than just a solid player who I felt like at times played at a really high level for Miami last season. Certainly he had his his drawbacks as a as a safety because I don't think that's ever been his natural position. But I do think you're losing more than just a solid player there. I think you're use, you're losing a great player in the locker room, a leader in that locker room, and a leader on the field. And I think one of the things that bears watching uh this season is Who's going to take on that role in the secondary? Is it going to be a Jason McCourty? Is it going to be an Eric Rowe? Is it going to be... I mean, it's hard to expect your rookie second-round pick in Javon Holland to be that right out of the gate. Is it going to be Xavier Howard? Uh, is it going to be Byron Jones? We, we really don't know what the dynamic is going to be there, but I think it's important. And typically you want your safety to be that guy. So it's going to be very, it's going to be one of the things to watch this season is who kind of takes over that role that Bobby McCain had, not necessarily from a play standpoint, but from a communication and leadership standpoint, because if there's a breakdown in communication in the secondary, it doesn't matter how talented these guys are. You're going to have busts in coverage, and that's where you're going to give up big plays. Yeah, and and so I, I think it's certainly not a surprise that you know there is going to be that leadership vacuum there, and I think there's going to be leadership vacuums in a couple of different places that you're you know I think w- one of the things about Kyle Van Noy was that he was a guy that came right in last year and immediately took the took the reins in that linebacker room and and was kind of a, a you know the center of attention when it came to that defense and and leading the way. And so I think there's going to be a couple of places, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, where we're going to see a change in leadership this season. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. I think that might actually be a good thing to see. Listen, somebody's going to have to step up and into that role. And with the strong leadership that Brian Flores has shown in this team, he's going to probably, I wouldn't surprise me if he wouldn't pull somebody aside and say, hey, you need to make go out there and make sure these guys know what they're doing. You know, if he's going to put his arm around Xavier Howard now, who is becoming, you know, the star, the breakout star on this team, or if it's going to be somebody like Byron Jones, somebody that has been there. You know, the thing about McCain is that this was a guy that has been there through several 
head coaches, and he's been through the ringer with this Miami Dolphins team. And so he's got some experience. He's got some battle scars with the team, but there are a lot of other guys with a lot of experience as well. And now I think you're talking about, you know, quote unquote, good experience, experience in a locker room with a much better culture. So it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how that develops. But uh, as we said, the Dolphins have parted ways with Bobby McCain. They, They stand to save about $6 million again against the cap, I would be very surprised, very surprised if that was the last cap casualty to go. And when we get into our, when we get into our, uh, roster assessment here and we go position by position. I think we're going to probably mention quite a few other guys who we are expecting to hit the road, who are going to save the Dolphins some money. The Dolphins spent about we don't know exactly how much the Dolphins have spent uh, on Jason McCourty bringing him in to add him to the secondary, but uh, I imagine there is going to be a savings there based on what they what they had been planning to spend on on Bobby McCain, and now they're going to save that money. So once we know the full terms of the McCourty deal, we'll know that. But I think it's it's pretty easy to suggest that the Dolphins are going to save a little bit of cash there. And hopefully that will, uh, we'll see how that works to strengthen this team as we head into the off season program here before the 2021 season. So that was the big piece of news that we really had to talk about was that the, the, the release of Bobby McCain and then the potential, the signing of Jason McCourty. We were going to talk about the Malik Hooker thing, but that really feels at this point that it's not going to pan out. Hooker came in for the visit and everybody was very excited. Oh, former first round pick, pick 15th overall. There was a lot of excitement about that, but that has since quieted down. Usually if a guy comes in for a visit and is going to get signed, it happens pretty quickly. It's not like there's a a period of time that goes by. And it's certainly, you don't bring in a safety and then for a team visit and then time goes by and then you sign somebody else in that same position group. So that leads me to believe that whatever it is that's out there with Malik Cooker, there was something, maybe it wasn't a right fit. I'm not sure exactly what the situation is, but it feels like that is going to you know, not go, uh, that's going to go away. And then the other thing that we were going to talk about was this running back situation with carry on Johnson being released from the lions. And we thought, Oh, maybe this is an attractive option for the dolphins since they didn't draft a running back high. And maybe they want to bring somebody else in. We're going to get into the running back situation when we get into the assessment, the position by position roster assessment for the dolphins. Um, but carry on Johnson has since now signed with the Eagles. Was it brain? He signed with Philadelphia. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So if t- So he signed with Philadelphia, so he's no longer even available. So it's a moot point to even have that conversation. We'll talk about some of the guys that are out there that the Dolphins might consider at the running back position when we get into that roster assessment. And we're going to do that on the other side of this break that we are about to take. We are going to be joined by David Behrman of ESPN, and he's going to help us as we go position by position. And he's going to give us some thoughts on the Dolphins draft. Speaking of which, Bryn, have you uh, had a few, you've had some time to marinate on that now. Oh, you yeah. were you were among the people that was not terribly happy with what the Dolphins did, at least, you know, not in the second, third rounds, or I mean, sorry, not in, not in the second round and, and the seventh round, but well, I, I wasn't, I wasn't happy in the third round either. <laughs> well, 
So how are you feeling now? Are you still uh, are you still pretty upset? Have you calmed down? Anybody? And by the way, if you didn't watch our live break in shows as we were covering the draft live for DolphinsTalk.com, you can go to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel and catch some of that footage as well. So that's that's still out there for you to check out if you'd like to. Uh, Brain, have you have you let all this stuff wash over you and 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 found a place where you can sort of accept what it is that the Dolphins did in the draft this year? Well, look, I, I have no choice but to accept it. I can't change anything. I mean, I, so so that's a moot point. You have to accept it. But uh, I, as I've sat back and I've listened to countless people tell me what a great draft Miami had and all these great value picks and, uh, you know, I've listened to people bend over backwards in spite of the fact that they had different plans and they thought that the Dolphins should have done something different and now they're changing their opinions just to fit what the Dolphins did to try to justify it um you know I've tried to take it all in and and be open-minded what I'll say is about the Javon Holland pick the more I the more I've thought about the Javon Holland pick the more okay I am with the Javon Holland pick uh because ultimately you were going to move on from Bobby McCain. You wanted a playmaker at safety and you took the top safety on your board, uh, who can also play inside as a slot corner and can play deep safety and has kind of the position versatility of a Bobby McCain, but with more athletic talent. And, and that's, uh, so I, it's kind of hard to hate that pick. I still don't love it because I, I still believe that ultimately where, where I am with that pick was this was just a, a matter of preference of safety versus offensive line, safety versus particularly center. Um, and they, I think this was just an example of Brian Flores putting his stamp on the team and saying, look, the defense is the more important side of the football. And so we're, we've got like a fly problem. I don't know what the deal is with this place. This is driving me crazy. But anyway, you know uh, what, what usually helps with the flies is if you take a shower every once in a while, it's one of those things that'll, uh, you know, help, help with the flies. Oh, I thought you were going to go the, the route of if I wasn't spewing so much shit talking. Listen, I, I'm going to let the, the people on YouTube have their say. <laughs> With that. Anyway, uh, I hey, I, like look. this video, like this video. If you think that the brain is full of shit, <laughs> um, at at any rate, I've I've kind of come around to the Javon Holland pick a little bit. I still would have gone once the running backs were gone, and I'm not sold that we would have taken Javon uh, Javante Williams anyway. Um, but once Javante Williams was gone. I would have gone after one of the two centers, whether it was Landon Dickerson or Creed Humphrey, and gotten the elite center and said, hey, we're solving this interior offensive line problem once and for all. We're taking the center that's going to be here for the next decade. We didn't do that, but we went and we took a high value position, or not necessarily a high value position, but in Brian, in, in Brian Flores' defense, they went out, they got the top safety on their board, whatever. I give that pick a B, B, you know, it, it wasn't an A for me, but it, it wasn't worse than a B. I don't love trading up and then taking a tackle. Uh, I just, I don't love that. I, I, you're, you basically, you used not, you, not only your, your number two pick, which was the number 50 pick originally, but also next year's three on a tackle, uh, that, 
you know, I guess has position versatility, but, you know, in a lot of ways could be considered a reach there. Uh, you know, he wasn't necessarily, he wasn't the, the top tackle on, on several people's boards. He's not overly big. He's not overly athletic. He might be a solid tackle, but they're, they drafted him supposedly to play the right side. And in spite of the fact that he played the left side, uh, almost, you know, almost uh, the entire time that he was in college at Notre Dame. So there's no guarantee that he's going to come in and, be, and even win the right tackle spot. But you, but at this point, when you use not just essentially the number 50, I know we drafted him at 42 or whatever, but, but, but we traded up from 50 and we also traded next year's three or one of next year's threes to move up and get him. So use that draft capital. This guy needs to be great. He can't just be a serviceable starting offensive tackle to justify that draft capital. He needs to be great. And I'm not necessarily sold that he's, that he's going to be great. And I think anybody that tells you right now that they're sold that Liam Eikenberg is going to be this great offensive tackle is just, they're blatantly being a homer. Because none of those people, if, if, if you thought that, that Liam Eikenberg was going to be some Pro Bowl tackle, you would have been screaming at your, at the top of your lungs to draft him at, at number 15, you know, or, or at number 18, uh, instead of, uh, instead of Jalen Phillips. So I think people are, 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 you know, just being, you know, the, you, you might think because these flies are circling, circling around that I've, I'm the one spewing the bullshit. But honestly, if you're, if, if you're sitting here saying that Liam Eikenberg is going to be this great offensive tackle and you're completely sold on it, I don't, I don't think you know what you're talking about. And I think you're the one that's full of BS. Um, so wow, I, I still, we got shots I, fired from air in the brain. Yeah. No. So I, I'm not, I'm not on board with that pick. I, again, I don't despise the pick. Um, but I don't like the fact that we traded up to get him. I don't like the amount of draft capital that we gave up. And then furthermore, at pick 81, still with a quality center on the board in Quinn Miners, we took a luxury pick in, in Hunter Long, the tight end. And people, now everybody's talking about how, what a great tight end Hunter Long is going to be and how he's going to be this huge upgrade over Durham Smythe and Wow, is that the bar that we're setting? Like this guy's going to be better than Durham Smythe, so he's more important than getting a, a, a you know a starting center. Now, and I'm not going to sit here and say that necessarily that Quinn Miners is going to be some great player or whatever. And maybe that's the case. Maybe the case is look, the Dolphins got plenty of look at both of those guys. They worked with Quinn Miners. They worked with Hunter Long uh, on the Senior Bowl. They were both on the roster, and maybe they. You know, as as much as everybody else thought that Quinn Miners was was uh, good and a great fit for Miami, maybe the Dolphins legitimately didn't think that much of Quinn Miners. That said, you know, all these other scouts seem to think that Quinn Miners was not just a good fit for Miami, but a really good player. I I just thought d- taking the tight end there uh, was not just a surprise pick, but it was a reach. And I, I thought that they, they reached on the tackle, they reached on the tight end, and they ignored a spot. And the, the whole, you know, the thing that everybody thinks that, uh, that I'm upset about, it, the, the majority of the fan base is upset that we didn't take a running back there. I really don't care about the running back thing. Once Javante Williams was gone, I was ready to punt the running back position just as the Dolphins did because I didn't feel like Michael Carter. I mean, I was on board with maybe taking Trey Sermon at 81, 
But I wasn't necessarily sold that any of those guys, after the top-tier running backs, were going to be better than anybody that we already had on the roster. So I, I really didn't care that we didn't take a running back. But I just thought, like, let's address the interior of the offensive line. Because instead, what we did was we drafted a tackle. And, uh, you know, if, if, like, like we don't know what our tackle situation is going to be, but if we would have at least drafted a center, we'd feel confident what our center position is going to be. And then we have invested so much into the tackle position the last two years that if it didn't pan out with either Austin Jackson or if it didn't pan out with Robert Hunt at tackle and we needed to move him into guard, we'd know that we need to draft one player to fix the rest of our offensive line next year. And that would be a tackle but we're going into this year and we legitimately don't know if Austin Jackson is going to pan out at left tackle we don't know I mean at this point you have to assume that they feel confident that Liam Eikenberg is going to pan out at one of the other tackle positions but we still have this lingering question about the center position so if Matt Skura doesn't just completely blow us away. And then this becomes, you know, signs like a two or three year extension. So we keep him around. Uh, We're going to be drafting a center next year to try to figure out this, this situation. And if Austin Jackson doesn't take the next jump, then we're also going to need to address the tackle position again. So we still haven't fixed the tackle position in spite of the fact that we've used all these resources. We still have question marks there. So I would have rather just, fixed one of the positions just outright by taking the top center on the board. And we didn't do that because we didn't, you know, we either didn't value the position or we valued other positions better. And I don't want to come into this season. The the whole idea of this season is no question marks uh, as far as the talent of the offensive line, the weapons around Tua so that we can fairly grade him. If we have a hole in the middle of our offensive line and it becomes an issue, and th- then everybody's going to say, oh, well, you know, Tua needs a center. We can't really fairly grade him. And, and if that happens, uh, I'm going to be pissed. Fair enough, Brain. Well, well, we'll give you another, we'll maybe have some more opportunities to address these specific position groups uh, as we go through our roster assessment in, in just a little bit. But uh, it, it's fair to say that the brain maybe has a little bit of a different opinion than what a lot of people do right now. If you agree with the brain, let us know in the comments of the video. Let us know uh, on on Twitter at Aaron the Brain at Amplified to Rock and at Same Old Dolphins is the show. Let us know what you think, and of course in the YouTube is comment YouTube comments as well. Hi YouTube. Thank you for watching. All right, we're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, we will be joined by David Behrman of ESPN. And we're going to go position by position to assess the Miami Dolphins roster as we head into the off-season programming. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back right after this. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Got Bush? Well... You definitely do if you haven't tried the best product from our sponsor, Manscaped, today. After using these life-changing products, you are going to want to join a ball sack beauty contest. I am looking out for you because I have an exclusive 20% off discount. 
Use the code DOLPHINSTALK at manscaped.com and you are going to get free shipping. That's right, free shipping and you're also going to get 20% off of your order. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 kit and they have also just introduced the revolutionary Lawnmower 4.0. That is 4.0. The revolutionary men's full body grooming gear. You gotta get it. You gotta go to manscaped.com. And not only do you gotta do that, you gotta enter the promo code Dolphins Talk, and you're gonna save 20% off, and you're gonna get free shipping. So whether it's the lawnmower 4.0, new and improved, the crop preserver, ball deodorant, or the crop reviver, ball toner, or the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer, whatever it is, even if it's the refined cologne, as much as you buy, as little as you buy, you are getting 20% off and you're getting free shipping when you use the promo code DOLPHINSTALK at manscaped.com. So make sure you do it today. Be sure to tell them Josh from the same old Dolphin show and DolphinsTalk.com told you. Go to Manscaped.com, use the promo code DolphinsTalk for 20% off and free shipping. Folks, your balls will thank you. Yes. And we are back on the same old Dolphin Show. And as promised, we now have a special guest with us. We are joined by the deputy editor of sports betting of ESPN.com. He is our very good, close, personal friend for many, many years. He is David Behrman. David, how are you? Good, good, good. Thanks for having me back on. Always, uh, always good to see the two cats here, boys, uh, in the flesh and blood. And uh, happy to be here to talk some Dolphins football. Absolutely. And, you know, of course, we're now a week removed from the first two nights of the NFL draft. And, you know, we've had some time to let the dust settle a little bit about that. How, how are you feeling? Just some kind of general thoughts, because we're going to get into the position groups here in just a minute as we do our roster assessment. But what are your general thoughts? How are you feeling about how the Dolphins did in the draft this year? Because before we went to the break, uh, the brain, you know, kind of blew up on how the Dolphins did on that second day. Uh, what are what are your feelings about it? I mean, I thought it was pretty solid. I came away happy with the draft. Uh, you know, we, you, me, your brother, my brother, we were all on pre-draft talking about who we thought they should take. And I, I know Daniel had said that as long as they come away with three week one starters, that will be good. And I think they came away with four week one starters. I mean, you start off right in the first round. We've talked at nauseum about wanting to get a playmaker. And I know they didn't get Pitts or Chase. We didn't think they'd get Pitts or Chase once they made that trade. But Jalen Waddell, I think he was the best of the bunch that that is out there, and he's a really good playmaking wide receiver and punt returner, kick returner that the Dolphins are going to be very, very good with this year. He's going to stretch the field a little bit. He's as fast as anybody in the league, and I thought that was a home run hit right off the bat with the sixth pick. Also, if you consider the fact that they picked up another first-round pick in that trade down from 3-12 to 12 back up to 6. Jalen Phillips, that actually surprised me a little bit, but I think it's a solid play where, you know, Mel Kuyper had him as the number one defensive player in the draft, obviously slid to 18 because of injury concerns. 
Didn't get injured last year, played solid without, you know, the concussion issues and was one of the best defensive ends in the league. You knew they needed an edge rusher and they got it. Uh, the second round, I know me and your brother were all hoping that we were going to go that running back route. Uh, they decided they didn't want to go that route. And obviously that's the prerogative. They run the team. We don't. But I thought getting the safety out of Oregon and Holland was pretty strong. Um, and then, you know, trading up to get Achenberg, who they wanted all along, was a solid play to fill the offensive line. We had said that they didn't need to get an offensive lineman early in day one, and they waited till day two in their second pick, and now they have about seven guys that can move in and out. I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit, uh, but he's solid, and it makes the depth and, and a little stronger, and I think he can actually play week one right there on the line. Um, and I know your, your brother and I are going to, you know, necessarily disagree about the Hunter Long pick. I, I will agree with Aaron that I thought it was a surprise pick, not exactly a need position, but everything that I read and everything that I've heard by the guys that I work with, Mel and Todd and other analysts say he's one of the best tight ends in the draft. He led the nation in receiving last year. I, I know Pitts missed a few games. He's not as good as, as Kyle Pitts. Uh, but if the Dolphins are looking to run a Patriots-style offense, that's two tight ends. He's better than Smythe, and you won't know what's going to happen with Gusecki down the line when he looks for his payday. Depth is always good. Depth is what the Patriots have had. Depth is what the Chiefs have had. Depth is what the Bucks had last year. Um, might not have been a need position, but I thought it was a, a solid pick with, with Hunter Long. Right. And and then, of course, the Dolphins added another offensive lineman in the seventh round, as well as Jared Dokes finally picking up the running back in the seventh round. Uh, we'll get we'll get into the specifics of him in just a moment. Uh, but yeah, so that it sounds like you're pretty pleased when all things are said and done about how that draft went for the Dolphins. I was. And if you consider over the past 20 some odd years has been very, very rare where the draft ends. and I'm happy with what the Dolphins have done in the draft. It's few and far between there was a time where I just swore off the draft and said I'm no longer watching this crap and obviously you go back to Ted Ginn over Brady Quinn thing and in hindsight it wasn't as bad of a move as we all made it out to be but then in other picks missing Randy Moss John Avery and on and on and on and on we could talk for hours about bad draft picks I've gone to draft party after draft party after draft party at Joe Robbie Stadium and eventually you're like they just can't get this right and I actually think this is one of the more solid drafts that they've had in in the last 20 years. And, and I'm excited to see what they can do. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about, about their position by position in a few minutes. And I was actually looking at it just before we went on the air and it's pretty solid. They got, they got depth out there, pretty solid team. There's not a lot of holes as we'll talk about. And you, you really, you're talking about a rebuilding team that was Owen seven, two years ago to what they have today. And, and, and I'm excited for where it's going. Do I think they're a Super Bowl team? No, they're, they're probably still a year away from the Super Bowl. But I think this is definitely a 2021 playoff team for sure. Yeah, I, w I would say that this is a very solid team that while there are certainly holes, I mean, you could say that there are holes in certain places in this roster still. I, they're not gaping gigantic holes, although some people might argue uh, against that. Uh, but let's go position by position here. Let's break down each of these groups. We're going to spend just a couple of minutes on each position because, I mean, you we could we could make this an entire week's worth of programming if we wanted to, going position by position. But we're going to try to do this quick overview roster assessment, going position by position. We're going to start. And well, I was going to start with the kicker and the punter on this team, but uh, these guys gave me, uh, you know, no, go, go do. Yeah, I just thought you were joking. But if you want to start no. there, start there. 
We'll start because I just feel like we can knock that out of the park. Listen, the kicker is Jason Sanders. They signed him to a new contract. They've got him locked down. I believe he's one of the very best place kickers in the National Football League. I mean, how are we feeling about that? He's one of the best kickers in football. He won a couple of games for the Dolphins last year. You know, we're kind of used to the Dolphins over the years having what I would call an automatic kicker until that kicker falls off the cliff and then they go get a different one. And Sanders is right there at the top. I mean, he's he was great last year, and I, I see no reason why they should have replaced him. I'm glad they re-signed him. Absolutely. And then, of course, they brought in Michael Pilardi as their new punter. Brain, I need your intense breakdown of Michael Pilardi's game so that all the people understand what a great punter the Dolphins have brought in. He's the best. Thank you very much. So we're going to move on to the secondary here. That we're going to break it down and let's start with the secondary. I'm going to just kind of list off all the names here. Some of these are guys that the Dolphins have just sort of signed a futures deal. Some of these are, are, are UDFAs and some of them are, of course, guys that are going to play a, a much more important role as this season goes on. Some of these guys may not end up being on the team by the time week one rolls around, but here we go. In cornerback, they've got Terrell Bonds, Justin Coleman, Javaris Davis, Tino Ellis, Xavier Howard, Noah Igbenogany, Byron Jones, Nick Needham, Jamal Perry, Jason McCordy has joined the group, and now uh, they also have Jaitlin Askew. Uh, at safety, Brian Cole, Clayton Fedgelum, Nate Holly, Brandon Jones, Eric Rowe, and uh, the as-yet-unsigned rookie, Javon Holland. This secondary was one of the best in the, it was the best in the NFL last year. Uh, it, are they going to take a step forward this year? I mean, this is really, I think, the strength of possibly the entire team at this point. Um, definitely the strength of this defense. Brian Flores has made no bones about it that he knows this is a passing league now. The NFL is a passing first league. So you got to make sure that you've got the tools in place to shut down some of these great aerial attacks. And judging by this group of guys, I feel like they're in a good spot to do that. Brain, we'll go to you first. Tell me how you feel about this Dolphins secondary. Yeah, well, we touched on on it earlier as f- when we were talking about the the loss of Bobby McCain, uh, about how it's going to open up a little bit of a question mark as far as leadership back there and communication back there. But I also feel like uh, that we've gotten more talented back there. We've gotten more athleticism back there, and we've gotten an ability, I think, to play uh, a. a a couple of different coverages. I think we're now, because you have a Jason McCourty back there and a Javon Holland back there, uh, you you can run a two deep look uh, with two guys that can play deep safety. Uh, you can you can run a single high with really either of those guys, but I think the idea there is that it's going to be Javon Holland that runs the single high. Um, but you've you've got. In, in having that, Javon Holland can play in the, in the slot. Devin or Jason McCourty can play in the slot. Uh, and then you, what really makes this work is that you still have on the outside X and Byron Jones, and you're hoping that Noah Igbenogany takes the next step because if he does, then you, you really have an embarrassment of riches at the cornerback position. And let's not forget about Eric Rowe, who was outstanding the last two years uh, defending tight ends. Uh, it really only, only struggled against Darren Waller. That was about it. I guess that Travis Kelsey uh, put up some numbers, but if you're going to shut down every tight end in the league, except for Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey, 
then you're doing a damn good job. And and having uh, you know Holland and McCourty back there to play the deep safety role uh, and and cover everything else can really just use can can help them to utilize Eric Rowe in that one specific role of covering tight ends. I think it makes the secondary that much better, and it, it's hard to take much of a step forward from where they were at the last season. But from a talent standpoint. They should be better. The only question, again, is how much do they miss the leadership and communication of a Bobby McCain? Dave, how are they, they going to deal with that? If you think about 32 games ago, the Dolphins allowed Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, who's not known for his arm, to throw for 450 yards and five touchdowns, and that was just two years ago. Seven weeks later, they traded first-round pick Minka Fitzpatrick. You're wondering what this secondary looks like now compared to two seasons ago. It's like night and day. Xavier Howard was injured. Fitzpatrick was on his way out. They got blitzed by Lamar Jackson, who may not have thrown that many yards since then in the previous two seasons. I think Bobby McCain, great team captain. He was good. He was solid. But solid and great are two different things. I think what they have now is depth. And Aaron hit it on the head with McCourty and Holland being able to play deep. The whole name of the game with Brian Flores is defense, and you saw it when he was in New England. You saw the way they shut down the Rams' offense in the Super Bowl. Flexibility, flexibility, versatility, and versatility. These guys can play multiple places, slot, deep, man-to-man, zone. They can mix it around. They can play deep. They can come in and play linebacker. That's what he wants. That's why he went and, and used the first pick of the second, his first pick of the second round on Holland because Holland can play all over the place. He wants to keep you guessing. He wanted to disguise the defense. I know McCain was good and solid, but between Jones and Rowe and 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 Holland and McCourty and, and if we talked about whether Needham takes a step forward, Igbenangi another year, you know, Xavier Howard, Pro Bowler last year. They have the pieces there. They have the depth which is what you need in the secondary in the 2021 offenses when the Chiefs get out there, spread it all over the field with a 1,000 wide receivers and you have no idea where Mahomes is throwing it. You can't just have a good corner and a decent secondary. You have to have a nickel defense, a dime defense, a blitzing defense. You have to be able to pick up the coverage when the corner comes off the side to disguise what you're doing. And the Dolphins have the pieces. Josh, you said it right off the bat. This was the strength of the team last year. Do I expect some regression when it comes to the numbers they put up? Yeah, Zayvon Howard's not going to have 10 interceptions again. It's just maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But that was last year. Even if he had eight this year and you have McCourty and Holland and Jones picking up a couple here or there, I think overall they'll be better. I don't expect Howard to do as well as he did, but you're talking about the best cover corner in football along with deep guys behind them. And, you know, I can't hit on the versatility enough. I know Minka did not subscribe to it, didn't want to play out of position. They shipped him out of town. I wish we still had him, obviously. Top pick, one of the best corners in football. They have replaced him, and they have enough guys back there where they want to blitz, they can blitz. If they want to play too deep, they can play too deep. And that's what you got to do with defense. You, You can't, with the way the offenses are set up, with what Buffalo's doing, with what Kansas City's doing, you saw what Tampa did at the end of last year, you can't sit back there and let the offense know what your defense is going to be played. And that's what I love about Flores' defense is you just don't know what you're going to get in terms of the, the disguising. And I think that that's with the players that they have and that's what they want to do, which is why the Patriots were so good on defense for so many years. Yeah, it's it's definitely – it's 
and it was one of the things that a lot of people talked about with this defense was the fact that it just it's kind of scary to look at because you didn't know what they were going to do and it it isn't just about the secondary it's all it's also about the linebackers because this is a group where this is an area where i think the dolphins have improved quite a bit let's take a look at this group of guys here uh jerome baker vince beagle sam Eguavone. Kylan Johnson, Bernardrick McKinney is the big new name. Calvin Munson, Duke Riley, Landon Roberts trying to come back. We're hoping that we're going to have him at some point this season. Also, Brennan Scarlett, Andrew Van Ginkle, and Jalen Phillips, of course, the new signing. So, Brian, we'll go to you first again here. Talk to us about this group of linebackers that the Miami Dolphins have. Yeah, I mean, we we did a little bit of rearranging. Obviously, the big the big move here was, I mean, aside from drafting Jalen Phillips, was also the trade of of Shaq Lawson for Bernardrick McKinney. Outside of that, it's really much of the same. There's still not a ton of depth, particularly inside. Uh, you know, especially if a Landon Roberts. Uh, is not somebody that we can count on. It was it was nice to bring him back, but if he's not somebody that we can count on, then all of a sudden we're counting a lot on Calvin Munson as our third inside linebacker. It means we're we're an injury an injury away from Bernardrick McKinney or Jerome Baker to having Calvin Munson stepping into the starting lineup, and I don't feel great about that. But I think what we needed more than anything else was to get another edge rusher. We got the top guy on our board in Jalen Phillips. Andrew Van Ginkle really exploded onto the stage, I thought, last year uh, as a sub-package blitzer. And I, as somebody that I think can continue to develop. Uh, and so the question here is, are, are they going to be playing him on the same? Are they going to move him around? Are they going to move Jalen Phillips around? Are those guys going to be on the field at the same time? Um, or are they going to be kind of like, you know, interchangeable where the, you know, they kind of take turns. But I think if you have one of those guys on one side and another on the other side, you still have Emmanuel Ogba, who obviously had a great year for Miami last year. I think the pass rush is good. We know that. The Dolphins pass rush is more built on scheme than it is, you know, guys winning one-on-one battles. But at some point you are going to need your guys to win one-on-one battles. And I think that's why it was big to bring in a Jalen Phillips. I still think we have work to do as far as building a little bit more depth and maybe bringing in one more real elite piece to that group. But for now, especially in today's NFL, where you, and and with the Dolphins, with the strength of the team being their secondary and the way teams are are playing three and four wide receivers, you're you're primarily going to be playing in the nickel anyway. So you're mostly going to have two linebackers on the field. Uh, so I don't think it'll. I don't think uh, you know it matters so much that we don't have you know, five great linebackers or even four great linebackers, because I don't think that you're going to have four linebackers on the field that much. But uh, that said, I, I think of the of the position groups on on this roster, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, I would say the linebacker probably is the weakest. David, would you agree with that assessment? Hundred percent. I thought last year the linebackers and the front seven in general was the weakest part of the Dolphins' uh, defense. And, and they, whereas they've addressed some needs this year, and obviously having Jalen Phillips is going to help that. Um, I do think there were some holes there last year, and I, I think they've gotten better. 
But at the same time, I, I do agree with, with the brain that they probably need one more piece. I worry about the depth. I don't want Scarlett O'Reilly being a starter. They're an injury or two away from being weak there. And one thing that worried me last year that I really want to see them get better at this year was if you had a mobile quarterback and a defense offensive line or a mobile quarterback with an offense that had a lot of weapons, that's where the Dolphins struggled to contain. Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Kyler Murray, and I know I'm listing players that, that everybody struggled against. But in particular, the Dolphins had a hard time sustaining the Bills offense at any point during the two games. Um, they, they, I know they stayed in the Kansas City game, but really they never stopped the Kansas City offense, neither did anybody else. Uh, the Arizona game, back and forth, no defense in that one. And again, mobile quarterbacks who can keep you off balance a little bit, make you think they're passing when they're running and running when they're passing, and they gutted the Dolphins. Um, time and time again, even the Raiders ran for a lot of yards against the Dolphins, and that front seven just didn't get it done last year enough where – Luckily, they got bailed out by the strongest secondary in football last year, but you can't rely on Howard's 10 interceptions year in and year out. So I think that line, whether it's Raekwon Davis or Christian Wilkins, they got to put pressure on the quarterback. You get Phillips in there and let the linebackers do what the linebackers do. Fill the holes, fill the gaps, be that first man up once the line double teams alignment and get that running back out there. They need to be able to hit their spots and hit their gaps because last year, I mean, that I know we don't want to keep talking about week 17, but it's not just week 17. Patriots ate them up week one. The Bills ate them up earlier in the season, up and down the field. They couldn't stop either one of the Broncos running backs when the Broncos were up against them. So that linebacker crew wasn't getting in the positions they needed to get to. I think they'll be better this year, another year underneath the defense, but I do think that is the weak spot for the Dolphins. Yeah, absolutely. And you you sort of provided us that perfect transition back into that group that is going to help the linebackers succeed, which is that defensive front and that defensive line. So let's go through who the Dolphins have up there. Of course, the Dolphins listed on their website, they have Jalen Phillips listed as a linebacker. We know that he's sort of in that floating role, like kind of Jason Taylor role, where he could be a, D, a defensive end. He could be a linebacker if you need him to be. He's kind of in a play all over the place, but here's who they have otherwise on the offensive line there. Ends Nick Coe, Jonathan Ledbetter, Emmanuel Ogba, Tyson Ryder, Jason Strobridge, Adam Butler, and their tackles Raquan Davis, John Jenkins, Benito Jones, Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, and Jerome Johnson. Uh, this unit is really going to be who the, def- the, the rest of this defense is relying on for me because we saw what the what the secondary was able to do last year, where the Dolphins struggled to really get to the quarterback. Now, if this defensive line and those linebackers can take a big step forward and really start to pressure quarterbacks, I think that is really going to get to a position where all the Dolphins need to do is be kind of average against the run. And if they can have that kind of lockdown defense and just be average against the run, I think we're talking about, you know, certainly a top half offense, top half defense in the league, possibly a top 10 defense in the league. Uh, David, we'll start with you here. I mean, the the ideal situation is for the Dolphins to be able to get to the quarterback with four rushers. I mean, that's what every team wants to do. The Dolphins tried it last year and were unsuccessful to getting to the quarterback with four rushers, having to bring a linebacker up, having to maybe blitz a corner a little bit. That leaves you exposed in the middle of the field, and that's what got them last year. Time and time again, as Aaron mentioned, the tight ends burned the Dolphins. Running backs burn the Dolphins, and they need to get the pressure on the quarterback, and I expect Agba, Davis, Wilkins – Phillips now in there. I expect them to be able to get the pressure this year because they added that key edge rusher 
that's going to keep the offensive line of the other teams thinking a little bit. It's not just, oh, where's Howard? You know, where's the secondary? It's all right. Jalen Phillips is, is around there, and then Wilkins is on the other side. You got Davis and Ogba in the middle. You know, where's Van Ginkle and Baker and McKinney? So I think they have the pieces there. But, Josh, you, you hit it on the head. If they got to get the pressure on the quarterback, too many times last year I sat there watching this defense thinking one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, where the hell are they? And that's when Pat Mahomes gets around to throwing whoever he wants to throw to. Josh Allen looks like a Hall of Famer in both games that they faced. That's the type of things that happen when all of a sudden you're not getting pressure on the quarterback where even Drew Locke looked like a Hall of Famer versus the Dolphins. And you you have to get the pressure on them to be able to let the secondary do what they do best, and that's shut, shut it down and not leave any holes open. Um, but, it, you know, if they don't get the pressure on the quarterback, they're not going to do anything. Brain? Yeah, I, I think the defensive line, they, they made it better this year. I mean, the only piece that they lost was a piece that they essentially didn't have for half the season anyway, and that was Devon Godchow. Uh, they they brought in Adam Butler, who I think uh, is an upgrade over Godchow, at least from a rush the passer uh, aspect because he's a guy that can can move the the pocket a little bit uh, you know more dynamic inside maybe not quite the run stuffer of a god chow but because of the play of Raquan Davis and what he managed to do after god chow got hurt uh, which was essentially play at a high level as a essentially a nose tackle for this defense you now have you. You've got a nose tackle in Raquan Davis when you got to be in a three man front, and when you want to go to an odd man front, you've got uh, a guy that can play next to Davis in in Adam Butler, and then you know you still have Christian Wilkins on the outside, and when you go to that four man front, that's where you're you're either going to have Ogba on one side. Uh, or you may have Jalen Phillips, or in certain packages, you may have both those guys on opposite ends, which makes it is going to make it extremely difficult for opposing offensive lines. So I uh, just the the addition. I think David hit this on the head. The addition of having that edge rusher that can win one on one battles consistently makes this defense so much more difficult to prepare for and so much more difficult to play against because you have to account for that. And that's going to make them, you know, either weaker on the other side or have to put an extra blocker on that side, which then gives Miami an advantage, uh, you know, in the secondary. So I think this is this defensive line got got stronger. I I'm curious to see, and I didn't even talk about Zach Zach Sealer or Zach Seiler, uh, who had a great year for Miami again and really earned his contract extension and really was a reliable piece uh, for this defense. Um, I'm curious to see the development of of a Jason Strobridge to see what kind of depth we have behind those guys because that's my only real question here is. When those top guys get hurt, what kind of depth do we have on that defensive line? Uh, I know we brought in, uh, you know, an, an undrafted free agent in Co. and maybe he, you know, makes the roster. Maybe he doesn't. I, depth is a question for me at, at the defensive line, but not as much as it is at linebacker. I think they're maybe a piece away on the defensive line, a piece away at linebacker. The secondary looks you know, just about as good as, as you can be. And so to come into this season, given where we were two years ago and say, we're two pieces away from having just 
maybe a perfect defense. And that's that's a pretty good spot to be in coming into the season. It, it really is. And listen, it was no it was no secret that the Dolphins' strength last year was their defense. And the, and and honestly, without the de- the defense playing the way that it did and scoring points at the rate that it did, it's it's likely that the Dolphins probably lose at least two of the games that they that they ended up winning last season. Um, how is that defense going to do this year? Does it take a step forward? Does it take a step backwards? I don't know. But one of the things that is re- that is true and I think is completely undeniable, no matter who you are, is that this season coming up, the Dolphins have to take steps forward on the opposite side of the ball. And that's where we're going to go next. The Dolphins have to take step forward on offense. And one of the big question marks right now that a lot of people have is the offensive line because there are question marks of how are things going to get moved around? How are how are the pieces all going to fit together because they've got a lot of guys that they can mix and match and move around. Let's talk about that offensive line first. We'll go through it. I was going to go position by position on the offensive line, but they've got so many guys who play in different places that it's kind of hard to do that. Um Tyler Gautier, Matt Skura, Cameron Tom, Michael Dieter are your center Centers. And then you've got Solomon Kinley, Durval Kieros, Nato, Jesse Davis, and Robert Hunt. Uh, your guards, your tackles are DJ Fluker, Jonathan Hubbard, Austin Jackson, Adam Penke, Liam Eichenberg, Larnell Coleman, and Robert Jones, an undrafted free agent who a lot of people are speaking pretty highly of. And in fact, I've heard it said that it is more likely that Robert Jones make the, makes the team this year than it does that Larnell Coleman. So maybe one of the undraft the undrafted linemen makes the team in front of the guy they drafted in the seventh round. Either way, there is the Dolphins' offensive line. How does that puzzle piece? How does that piece? How does I can't even say it? How does that puzzle come together this year for the Dolphins? Uh, Brain, let's go to you first, and then we'll go to you, David. If we haven't solved the tackle issue, then we have completely failed the last two years at trying to solve the tackle issue because we have thrown countless resources at this position. So if we come out of this year and we're saying, and we're still saying going into next year that we need to draft an offensive tackle in the first round, then I think you have major question marks, not just a about that position, but about the person that's making the picks, that's evaluating the talent. Uh, because just the, the number of resources that we've put in there, we should be good at the tackle position. And we should be good at the guard position too, uh, considering the fact that, you know, we, we all liked what we saw out of Solomon Kimbley last year. Uh, we're assuming that because of all the tackles that we brought in this year, that Robert Hunt is going to move inside the guard. And there was... The consensus last year was that even though Robert Hunt had the ability to play tackle, his true ceiling was going to be as a guard. Uh, so I'm excited to see what he does at guard. I still think we have major center issues that's been documented. Um, and so we'll see what happens. But if, if we have what we need at the tackle position and we come out of this season and our only question mark is at center, then that's something that's easily fixed going into next year. The problem is I'm not necessarily sold that that's going to be the case because I'm not necessarily sold that Liam Eikenberg is, is going to be the, the stud that everybody is now saying that he was in, in spite of the fact that nobody was talking about him pre-draft. And 
Austin Jackson is still a major question mark going into, into year two. We all hope that he makes the jump. He was certainly, you know, seen as this, this guy that has a, that had a high ceiling, but was very raw. So maybe he makes the jump from year one to year two, but if he doesn't, I still don't know that we've solved the tackle position. And, and if we come out again, if we come out of this season with the tackle position in flux and the center position as a question mark, then what did we really do with all the resources that we spent? David, how do you want to address that? Listen, you don't need my degree in statistics or 15 years of working in a stats department, ESPN to figure out that the dolphins throughout their long 50 year history have lived and died by the offensive line. The most prolific offensive year in team and league history at the time, 1984, Marino was sacked six times. It speaks for itself. When Tannehill, who has now gone on to be a almost Super Bowl quarterback with the Tennessee Titans, why is that different than his seven years in Miami? Because he got hit every five seconds when he was behind the Miami offensive line for the years he was there because they had no offensive line. I do agree with your brother 100% that if they haven't figured it out by now, by the resources they put in there, and I'll throw numbers on, on brain stuff here. Three draft picks last year, two draft picks this year, unrestricted free agents, non-drafted guys coming in. They, they've done it. They've gone out there and, and spent the resources to get Jackson, Kinley, Hunt, Eichenberg, uh, Davis, Coleman, Jones. The, the, they're all there. Are they the right guys? I'm not the one who picked them. You're not the one who picked them. If they're the right guys, the pieces are there. I don't have to figure out the puzzle. Josh, you hit it on early when you introduced this part of the program. We don't, I have no idea who's going to play where, and that's really not my job. If the coaches know whether Hunt's going to move the guard and whether Davis is going to come over here and Jackson's going to be there, that's their puzzle piece. I love the versatility aspect. I love the fact that Eichenberg can play three different positions, even though he hasn't played center. He says he can. The Dolphins are drafting versatility across the board. This is 2021. This isn't 1990 where a tackle is a tackle, a center is a center, a tight end is a tight end. It's not like that anymore. Look at all the other teams. They move pieces around all over the bat. The Dolphins have the versatile players out there. Brain just made a point about Austin Jackson taking it to next level. Hunley, Hunt and Kinley have to take it to the next level. They got three, and I'll lack for a better term, sophomores on the offensive line, and they just drafted two freshmen. So – they got guys there to put pieces in place for the next decade if two things happen. They're the right guys, and above all else, they stay healthy. Nothing you can do if all of a sudden Shirka goes down and a guy you've never heard of becomes your starting center. The guys have to stay healthy. They have to be able to block, and they have to be able to push down to, to, to be able to run the ball. They're there. I thought last year's group did solid enough that that wasn't the problem last year. We've, we've hit it time and time again. It was the lack of playmakers. It's not like Tua was getting hit every five minutes. Fitzpatrick wasn't getting hit every five minutes. This offensive line is better than it was when Tannehill was back there. And, of course, that bar was pretty freaking low. So, like, it, it's not setting records for most amount of sacks in a season and letting Tannehill get hit 17 times a game. There are steps to be made. I'm happy with the direction they're headed. I think they have identified the puzzle pieces that they can move in place whenever they need to. And you just hope they're the right guys. Because if they are, and you give Tua time to do the read option or do whatever Tua does best in terms of reading defenses with the weapons we're going to talk about in a minute, I think this offense will take that next step. But it starts right there on the offensive line. And we can talk about how great Will Fuller is, talk about how healthy 
Parker may or may not be and how awesome Jalen Waddle is running all over the field ain't going to matter if two was on his butt all game. So that offensive line has to be good or the Dolphins are no better than a 500 team. Absolutely. And the other part of that is the run blocking. And of course, you know, we know what the running back situation is. We're going to get into it in detail here in just a moment, but hopefully the offensive line can also take a step forward in, in opening holes for the running backs to take advantage of, even if we don't have the most stellar group of running backs in the history of the game. But let's move to another position group here. And that position group is the tight ends. That room right now is Seathan Carter, Mike Gesicki, Chris Myrick, Adam Shaheen, Durham Smythe, Hunter Long, and uh, the undrafted free agent Jibri Blount, who my understanding is has never played a down of football in his life. So that's a really interesting one. And uh, Carl Tucker, who's the sort of tight end fullback hybrid. Uh, you know, we know Brian Flores loves to have guys like that out there. Now, I want to add some context on the Hunter Long thing, uh, because, you know, Chris Kaufman reported that he believes that with this new wide receiver group, and we'll, we'll talk about that in specifically, but basically we're looking at having Fuller and Waddle, guys who can stretch the field and create space for Parker and Preston Williams that it in, in his mind it it's shaping up that this is in this is an offense that doesn't have the need for the big athletic go down the field and really kind of play slot receiver kind of guy like Mike Gasicki and this is really an offense that is shaping up where they need that tight end to have a bit more of the blocking responsibility and we know if there's a weakness in Gasicki's game it is blocking and that is something that Hunter Long certainly has an ability to do Hunter Long is a pretty good blocker and he's also a guy who can run downfield and make catches as well it's not like he's he's not capable of doing that he's actually a very capable pass catcher very good pass catcher in fact so is there truth to that I'm not sure I don't know that that's something that we're necessarily going to see change this season uh, maybe Hunter Long is coming in as a guy to replace Durham Smythe and Durham Smythe is going to be the guy who's the odd man out come the end of this season um and, you know, and then it's Gasicki and Long and Shaheen going forward. But this is a crowded room. And how do the Dolphins find, you know, heads or tails of what this tight end group is? Dave, we'll start with you. I mean, I think crowded room is good. The more the merrier. We keep talking about versatility. I think the fact that the Dolphins have a couple of catching tight ends, a couple of blocking tight ends. Uh, if you look at the overall depth of the tight end position, I think it's probably in the top 10 of the NFL in terms of what they're capable of doing. If what you say is right, that the wide receivers are going to stretch the field, they don't need, you know, a Travis Kelsey to go down and, and stretch it. And they can have Gasecki and Long and Smythe, you know, hit out into the flat or block or, you know, do some things that you don't need him to go catch 80 balls a year like Travis Kelsey or the kid in, um, in, in Darren Waller in, in Vegas. Then that's what you have. You have all the different pieces there at the tight end position and with the wide receivers out wide that can stretch the field. I think the fact that they have a deep tight end, you saw what happened last year. Gusecki got hurt a couple of times and there were Smythe got hurt and they were thrown to guys you never even heard of. So I think having long there and having three tight ends that can all play, they're going to use two tights, two tight end sets at times. They're going to catch teams off guard, just like the Patriots did. Brain, how you feeling about this tight end group? Well, you, you made a point and you said, well, I don't know that, that uh, Durham Smythe is going to be here, you know, past the end of this season. I'm not sure Durham Smythe makes the roster. I think Hunter That's Long being point. drafted, 
the fact that we signed Seathan Carter, who's a, a tight end fullback hybrid. Uh, and then, you know, they gave Adam Shaheen a contract extension as well. Uh, I don't know that that Durham Smythe makes this roster. I don't know that there's a spot for him. I, I think he he's kind of on the bubble and he's going to be one of the guys they're going to be looking really hard at uh, as a possible cap casualty. Um, I think, look, obviously the hope is you're not drafting Hunter Long there. Uh, if 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 you don't believe that he's going to be. This isn't a move for just this season. This is a move for this guy to be a contributor. Anytime you're using any draft pick, the idea isn't we need this guy for this season. We need this guy three, four, five years down the line to be a contributor for this team. And I think uh, particularly with that pick, uh, the idea is he's going to be replacing somebody. Is it, is it going to be Mike Kosicki? I'm not sure because I, I think – Look, the, the tight end position, if you've got a good one, it's not the most expensive position to, to, to invest resources in. So I think, you know, even if Mike Kosicki gets a, a big payday, it's not going to be the kind of payday that an elite wide receiver is going to get or that an elite left tackle is going to get. So I think you could afford to do that provided that Mike Kosicki continues to grow and continues to be uh, a good tight end, because I think you've seen glimpses and stretches where Mike Kosicki has shown that I, I really believe he could be a top 10 tight end in this league. And, and if he's a top 10 tight end in this league, uh, I think there's a spot on, on the roster for him long-term. And I think, uh, you know, but again, if you are going to have a Mike Kosicki, then you do need to have another tight end that is a little bit more versatile, that can be on the line with his hand in the dirt, can block, and also catch passes. And that's where Hunter Long comes in. So I don't agree with the assessment that somehow because we've got two receivers that can stretch the field, that that somehow means that there's not a need for a Mike Kosicki. Because, look, if you can have two receivers that can stretch the field deep and take the safeties with them, well, wouldn't you love to have a tight end that is going to be getting man coverage uh, over the middle of the field by a linebacker and can't be covered? Uh, if you've got a, a speed guy like Jalen Waddle who's stretching the defense outside to side and they have to account for that, then there's another uh, you know situation where Mike Kosicki is getting freed up for man coverage in the middle. I think there's always value in having a guy like that. So I just don't I don't agree with that assessment. Um, I just think uh, when it comes to this tight end room, like David said, uh, look, the more the merrier, the, the, the more difficult decisions that you have to make on your roster when it comes to cutting players, and this goes for any position group, the better your team is. And that's where the Dolphins are finally starting to be now a, a few years into this rebuild is that they actually have tough decisions. If we were coming into this season and saying, well, this guy's definitely guaranteed a roster spot because there's nobody else that can compete with him. Well, that speaks to your lack of depth. The fact that you've got difficult decisions to make, it means you've got depth. Speaking of depth, I am now going to attempt to list all of the Dolphins wide receivers currently on the roster without having to come up for air in the middle. Let's see if I can rely on some of that theater training to get all of those names out. Ready? I'll take a deep breath. Here we go. Malcolm Perry, 
Lynn Bowden Jr., Robert Foster, Will Fuller, Jakeem Grant, Mac Hollins, Alan Hearns, Kai Loxley, Kirk Merritt, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Albert Wilson, Jalen Waddle. I did it. You had me at Waddle. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I, you, I had you at what? Waddle. Waddle, waddle. All season long. All season long. It's just get all. Waddle, waddle. I can't resist. I can't. It's gonna, I'm going to run it into the ground this season until it's he gets hurt in preseason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then it's going to. Then I'm going to have to put it into a minor key. Um. But. At any rate, a lot of wide receivers here. Look, one of the things that we said was this this draft, this offseason was a success if Jakeem Grant was not going to be coming into the season as a guy that was expected to, to play a major role in the offense this year. I think we, we, we mentioned this in the news section, Brain. We talked about it. I think there is a very good chance Jakeem Grant is not around come week one. I think the writing is probably on the wall for him. If I'm Jakeem Grant, he's probably the number one guy that I feel like is probably a little worried about his job. I would think Alan, uh, Alan Hearns, maybe Albert Wilson or other guys out there that are, that are feeling a little bit nervous about their jobs. But this is a, this is a serious group of receivers here. Brain, talk to me about your assessment of this Dolphins wide receiver room. We lost you. We lost you there for a second, Brain. But now you're yeah. back. So, so I don't know what happened, but deep, talk to us about uh, the wide receiver room. That was as deep as his punter thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, just left. <laughs> this was like, uh, you know, the Hunter Long, the Liam Eikenberg pick all over again. I just had to, to peace out there for a second. Um I think, look, we, we've got depth there. And again, we're going to have some difficult decisions to make. I think the least difficult decision is going to be, I think Jakeem Grant is gone. I think they've, they've addressed, uh, the position as far as speed receiver. They've brought in plenty of guys that can return kicks, even if they don't end up being quite the return man that, that Jakeem Grant is. Uh, I just don't think that they're, they're going to want to spend the money. I think we've seen, we've all kind of seen enough of Jakeem Grant. We've tried to convince ourselves that he was going to become this, this receiver that we could rely on. He clearly isn't. He's just a special teams guy and we have more talent there. And the fact that we not only brought in a Will Fuller, we not only brought in a Jalen Waddle, we not only brought in a Robert Foster, but we also drafted Javon Holland who has experience returning kicks. Noah Igbenogany has experience returning kicks in college. I just don't think there's a big need for Jakeem Grant. Now, I think looking at this Dolphins receiving core, I think you can count on Devontae Parker is going to be on the roster. Will, Will Fuller is going to be on the on the roster. Jalen Waddle is going to be on the roster. I think Preston Williams is going to be on the roster. I'd be surprised if Lynn Bowden Jr. wasn't on the roster given the given that he was a third round pick that we traded for just a year ago. If he's not on the roster, I think that's another you know, question mark there that you, that you kind of file away against Chris Greer and his decision-making. Um, so I'm expecting him to be on the roster. And that's when you start saying, well, how many receivers are they going to keep on this roster? Because that's five already. Um, Mac Hollins is, is a guy that, you know, is a special teams gunner, uh, is one of the better ones in the league. Malcolm Perry is a guy that, 
you know, they liked last year, but does he have the, you know, the physical talent or size to really produce? I think he may be on the outside looking in. Uh, I think we're, we're looking at a battle for who the number six receiver is going to be. Is it going to be Albert Wilson or is it going to be Alan Hearns? I don't think that both of those guys make the roster this year. But again, similar to the tight end room, when you have to start making the difficult decisions, that's when you know that your position group has gotten to be pretty good. David, talk to me about these receivers. There was a game last year where Lynn Bowden, Jakeem Grant, and Max Hollins were your three wide receiver weapons, and Smythe was your tight end. With all the injuries the Dolphins had last year, that is who Tua had to throw to last year. So we talked. Everyone alive? It was good? I don't know what Yeah, what, what was that? Sorry about that. Uh, we always talked about getting them playmakers, getting Tua playmakers. You can't really evaluate Tua without giving him people to throw to. You know, I threw out the stat on the last time I was broadcasting with you guys about how Devontae Parker was second to last among all qualified receivers in terms of separation, and Mike Gusecki was last among all tight ends in terms of separation, next-gen stats provided by the NFL. Those are true numbers out there, and those were the Dolphins' best weapons were Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki. Think about you get Preston Williams back from injury. You go sign Will Fuller, one of the speedsters out there. You go draft playmaker and Jalen Waddell. Now you have some weapons, you have some depth, and you shouldn't have any games where two is, do I want to check down the Bowden? Do I want to throw to the former Navy quarterback? Do I want to throw through five foot six Jakeem Grant? That's who he was throwing to. Max Hollins, that's not an offense. Parker, Fuller, Williams, those. Waddle, that's an offense. Those are weapons. Healthy guys mean success for Tua. It still worries me that Waddle has some injury history. Parker, I wouldn't call it history. I would call it all the time injuries. He did power through last year. Give him credit last year. He sucked up and played as much as he can. He's not getting separation when he can barely walk on and off the field. Even though you give him A for effort for being out there and having a good year. A healthy Parker, healthy Fuller. Healthy Waddle, healthy Williams, arguably a top five wide receiver group in the National Football League. Yeah, I, I would I would say that's true. The uh, the only problem with that is you got all those receivers, and every single one of them has injury concerns. Every single one of them has has shown an inability to stay healthy, except for this year or last year, Will Fuller finally showed that he could stay healthy and then he gets busted for a PED violation. So that's, you know, listen, that that is the biggest question mark that exists with this team, uh, with these receivers. If they can stay healthy, they're going to be one of the best groups in the league if they can stay healthy. And that is going to be the big concern as we go forward with the wide receivers. From wide receiver, we're going to move to the position that I think is, I think, clearly the area of the offense, possibly the area on the entire team where the Dolphins are there at their absolute weakest. And that is, of course, the running back position. The running back room, as it stands right now, Savon Ahmed, Malcolm Brown, Miles Gaskin, Patrick Lair, Jordan Scarlett, and Jared Dokes. Uh, it's not a deep group. I think 
we've we've I've talked ad nauseum on the show the past couple of episodes about how I believe that improving that receiver room, particularly with a guy like Waddle, particularly with Fuller, is going to stretch the field and allow some space for these guys to run. So I would expect the Dolphins to be able to run the ball a little bit better. I would expect the offensive line to take steps forward, so they're going to run the ball a little bit better, even without making significant upgrades to the running back room itself. You would expect the running game to at least take a little bit of a step forward this year. Do the Dolphins feel content to write it out with these guys, or are they going to look to bring in some of these, one of these veteran free agent running backs that are out there, the Todd Gurley's, the Adrian Peterson's, the Le'Veon Bell's of the world. All these guys are out there. All of these guys have significant tread on the tires already. So it seems like it's a gamble to bring them in. If you can get them on a good enough deal, okay, maybe you give it a shot. But, you know, the Dolphins have basically said that we're going to ride with the guys that we've got at this point, and let's hope that everybody else taking a step forward is going to allow this room to take forward. David, would you agree with that assessment, or do you have other thoughts about this running back room? I would say, and this is probably not going to be a wildly popular position people are going to agree with, but hey. We're take here. alert. We're here. We're here to have some fun. In 2021, I would say that the running back position is probably the most overrated position in football. We all love fantasy football. We all hard love agree. Out. We all love our fantasy running backs. The first ten picks in every freaking fantasy draft are running backs. Tampa Bay won with Leonard Fournette, who was left for dead during preseason last year. Didn't even have a roster spot. Kansas City won a Super Bowl with former Dolphin third stringer Williams back there to win a Super Bowl. Patriots won 700 Super Bowls with nobody at running back other than one year they had a good running back and, and LeGarrette Blunt. We're talking about LeGarrette Blunt. Not going to talk about Marshall Falk. We're not talking about Emmett Smith. We're talking about LeGarrette Blunt, Daryl Williams, Leonard Fournette, and all the other hosts of, 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 uh, of White and everybody else that the Patriots have had over the years. You're not winning Super Bowls because you have a 1,500-yard rusher. It hasn't gotten Dallas a Super Bowl. It hasn't gotten other teams a Super Bowl. I'm not saying running back's not important. You do need to have a decent running game to be able to open up the passing game. But this And I will not- say, David, I will say, David, those teams that you mentioned, the Bucks, the Patriots, uh, you know, Damian Williams or the Chiefs, their quarterbacks were Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. So having having an elite, elite, elite quarterback obviously goes a long way to helping you out. But yes, I agree. Generally speaking, with your with your uh, thesis you, here, you also have Kelsey and Hill and Godwin and Antonio Brown, and you got weapons. So right. I'm not saying that I mean, running backs. It's part of the offense. If you don't have a running game, they're going to tee off on Tua. They're going to tighten up on the receivers, and it's going to it's going to knock you backwards. You do need to be able to move the chains. You need a guy who's going to get three, four yards. But I'm not saying you need a Hall of Fame running back 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 there in 2021. Is Miles Gatskin going to lead the Dolphins to the Super Bowl? He's not your all-pro running back. But what they got out of Miles Gatskin last year is doable with the weapons they've added at the wide receiver spot, the injuries coming back, and another year with Tua. I would sign up for what the Dolphins got at running back last year. I would. If you just told me the Dolphins are going to repeat what they did last year with Gatskin, um, with with Ahmed, with a little bit of Patrick Laird, and then throw in Malcolm Brown and what he did with the Rams and just transfer that to the Dolphins. If you were just to repeat 2020, 
at the Dolphin running back position and you throw me all of those wide receivers in the second year with Tua, I'm signing up for it. I don't think they need to have a 2,000-yard running back back there. Now, would have I liked them to have Javante Williams? Would have I liked them to go draft um, Harris, who I wanted? I wanted the Alabama running back, Najee Harris. They didn't get him. Fine. They got other players. I don't think they should enter week one with Miles Gaskin as their lead running back, but I'm okay if they do for everything that I just said. Probably That's not fair. a lot of fans are going to agree with that, but I would rather have Jalen Waddell than to have Zeke Elliott back there. I'm, I'm well, the sad. strong argument, the strong argument, I think, and Brian, I'll let you jump in here in a second. The strong argument when it comes to these running backs is that name me a team in the last 10, 15 years, how many of those teams with elite superstar running backs that were like leading the league in rushing yard even played in the Super Bowl, let alone won a Super Bowl, right? There aren't that many of them, right? It's not to say that having an elite running back isn't a helpful thing, but when you look at the teams that go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, these are not necessarily teams with superstar stud running backs, so I, I would agree with your assessment that I think running back is in general a very overvalued position when it comes to the game of football itself, uh, you know, maybe even in fantasy. You know, last year in fantasy football, they made a strong case for the the the, the zero running back strategy, right? You know, waiting until the, the eighth or ninth round to draft your running back. That was, you know. You know, if you ended up with James Robinson in the 12th round of your fantasy draft last year, you were probably pretty happy. But Brain, what are your thoughts on this Dolphins running back room specifically? And and what are your thoughts about how this team is going to go forward? And do you think they bring in a free agent to uh, to complement this group? Well, as I said before, like, uh, you know, a lot of people thought and misconstrued where I was at as far as being angry at the Dolphins, you know, second and third round picks because they said, well, oh, he's bad because they didn't take a running back. But that really wasn't it. Once once Javante Williams was gone and that top tier of running backs was depleted. I didn't really have a problem with us punting that position because I wasn't sold that any running back that we would have drafted uh, the remaining the remainder of the draft would have been any better than what we currently had on the roster, whether that's Miles Gaskin or Malcolm Brown or even Savan Ahmed, who I thought played really well as an undrafted guy that we brought in last year when Miles Gaskin went down. I thought, look, Savan Ahmed had a couple of really nice games as the starting running back. Now, none of those guys are going to be confused for an all-pro running back. And I think that's where, you know, if, if you could change one thing on this in this position group, you would like to have a piece that you know you could rely on and have an all-pro running back. But you can't have everything. And so what they have is they have a nice committee. Miles Gaskin did a very nice job, averaged close to 100 yards from scrimmage last year in the games that he played. Uh, and I, I believe he only played in 10 games and he almost, so he almost had a thousand yards from scrimmage. Uh, and this was him just a year removed from being a seventh round pick who barely touched the ball. So I, you know, we're, we're talking about, uh, I, at every other position projecting growth from players, yet somehow nobody's really projecting Miles Gaskin to get any better. Miles Gaskin not only is young and has shown the ability 
to get better from year one to year two and uh, doesn't have very much wear on the tires. Uh, he also has the reputation of being one of the hardest working guys on the, on the team. He's always the first in the locker room, and that's why he was put in the position that he was in, and that's part of the reason I'm assuming, this is me going out on a limb, but I'm going to sit here and guess that that's part of the reason why the team is so bought into him and why they didn't value drafting a running back higher in this draft is because they truly like what they have in Miles Gaskin. Uh, they brought in Malcolm Brown. I think Malcolm Brown gives them what they hoped to have last year in Jordan Howard. They also went out and they got their backup plan for Malcolm Brown in Jared Dokes. Now, are either of those plans going to work out? We don't know. We, th- we all felt like the Jordan Howard thing was going to work out and give them something between the tackles. Uh, and then that blew up in their face and he was off the, off the team within a, a month or two into the season. Um, so we don't know if the Malcolm Brown thing is going to work. We don't know if the Jared Dokes thing is going to work, but. You should feel good about Miles Gaskin. You got a good look at Savon Ahmed essentially as his backup. Malcolm Brown, you, you at least, I mean, look, the guy had what, four, four and a half yards of carry last year with the Rams. So he's shown that he can be a productive running back in that given role. So if he's not productive in this role, it probably speaks more to the Dolphins' interior offensive line than it does necessarily to him as a player. So I think there are pieces here to form a complete backfield. It's not going to be one of the best running, you know, running back groups in the league, but it's going to be serviceable. And if it's serviceable and you get the jump from, from Tua that, that we're all hoping for because of the weapons that we've gotten him and because he's going from year one to year two and you're getting the offensive line and you've got guys that can stretch the field and give you more space because we're going to see lighter boxes, then this should be good enough. I agree with David. I think that this should be a good enough running back group for this Dolphins offense to be a solid group. Would I love to have a Pro Bowl running back that we could just put right in there and say, hey, there's our bell cow, three down back? Of course, this just isn't the year for it. Absolutely. So that's that's the unit. And as you said, you 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 hinted at at, at Tua. And that's where we're gonna. That's where we're gonna go next. We're gonna talk about these quarterbacks here because, listen, I'm gonna make a statement. It shouldn't be controversial. Whatever steps the Dolphins take forward this year on the offensive side of the ball, or as far as this team is gonna go in 2021, period, it's gonna go because Tua Tungavailoa takes steps forward as a quarterback, and I think. That's the bottom line. I mean, the team is banking on Tua Tungavailoa being the guy to get them where they want to go. And they are banking on him taking big steps forward this year. And they have given him the weapons. All last year, the conversation was Tua has no weapons. Tua has no weapons. Tua has no weapons. Tua now has weapons. This offense is there. It's all stacked up. It is ready for Tua, the question is whether or not he can take that step forward. Now he's had, a, he's gonna, he will have had a full, proper offseason, not having to rehab from an injury. 
He's fully healthy. He's coming into this season in probably better shape than he's ever been in before. Can he take the step forward? Also, the Dolphins have Jacoby Brissett and Reed Sinet rounding out the quarterback room. Got to mention them. Got to be fair. But let's be honest. If we're at any point talking about Jacoby Brissett and Reed Sinet this year, I mean, Brissett was brought in as an emergency guy to cover for Tua. If something, if the absolute worst happens, they've got a veteran quarterback who can kind of do things. But I mean, if Tua goes down, I think all of the expectations for this team go out the window, right? This team's ceiling, the ceiling that everybody is establishing for this team is based on Tua taking a big step forward and the team following suit. So, Aaron, we'll go to you first on this. Tua Tungavailoa, the Dolphins quarterback room. How are you feeling? How would you assess the Dolphins quarterback situation? I, I feel good. I love You can't be where we were at last year ecstatic about Tua and completely be ready to jump ship after last year. Was he as good as we hoped in his rookie year? No. Um, part of that was on him. Part of that was on the weapons. Part of that was on the offensive line. Part of that was on the situation. I mean, you you had a bizarre offseason. You had – it's not like he, he, he had the situation that Justin Herbert had where he was given the, the reins to the team and got all of the reps in practice and was said – Hey, here, you're the starting quarterback. He was put on a roster where he had a quarterback playing at arguably a top 10 level ahead of him, an offensive line that was still very much a patchwork offensive line, not great weapons, a team that was in a playoff chase, and the defense that was giving up the fewest points in the league up until the last game of the season. And he was basically told, don't lose us the game. So it, it's hard to expect a rookie quarterback to, you know, just light the world on fire given those, given those, uh, scenarios. And then, uh, aside from that, you also have, uh, just, uh, I lost my train of thought, but, uh, you know, aside from that, uh, you just have, uh, I I completely lost my train of thought. It's okay. There, it's, it's getting a little <laughs> late in the evening here. As we I got I got distracted. Uh, wifey Wifey came out and was uh, doing something in the kitchen, and I kind of lost my train of thought there. Oh well, listen. If there's ever a good reason to get distracted, it's when you got the wife doing something yeah, in the kitchen. And now she's giving me the finger. <laughs> oh, it's good. This is the good stuff. As we go, as as the brains world turns here on the same old dolphin show. <laughs> David, talk to us about this, these dolphins quarterbacks specifically. Tua Tungavailoa. I would say to to all Dolphin fans out there who have jumped ship after nine games of a rookie season coming off a major hip injury with no preseason and no weapons, I would say do one of two things. Either turn in your Dolphin fandom card like you're done. Like If you've given up on a rookie quarterback already, you're not a true fan, or meet me in a side chat room and I can knock some sense into you a little bit. It was nine games. You're going to hit the play button on, on the recorder because I just keep repeating myself on every podcast that I do. Nine games, very limited weapons, no training camp, no preseason, coming off an injury. That's not fair. My kid, my first grader, gets a report card every couple of months, and in the multiplication area, it says a big I for incomplete. He hasn't learned multiplication yet. You can't grade Tua. He's incomplete right now. 
a year from now, if we're on the same podcast talking about how he struggled, completely different situation. You got to give the kid the benefit of the doubt. Give him a full off season of being healthy. You brought in Waddle. You brought back Williams. Hopefully, a healthy Parker. Deeper offensive line. You got weapons. Now he's not going to turn into Dan Marino tomorrow. People, give him some time. If he wins five, six games and the team misses the playoffs by a mile and there's no progression, fine. Call me back. We'll have another conversation. I'll go back and say there's some egg here. There's some egg here. Whatever. I am not all. I'm not out here saying that he is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I was very excited that they drafted him. He's who I wanted. I think he's going to be an all-pro quarterback. I want to see him with weapons. I want to see him with a year under his belt. Don't expect the leap to Hall of Fame in year two. I know Mahomes has done it. I know Brady has done it. Marino did it. Maybe we get lucky and he does make that leap to Hall of Fame in year two. Have some patience. The name of the show is The Same Old Dolphins. We want to shed that name. We want the Katzka brothers to rename this podcast one day. Doesn't happen overnight. It whoa, whoa, whoa. happened in 20 something years. <laughs> Give them some time. I will be a whole lot more critical. And I promise you, fans, I will evaluate him full lenses after this season is over if there's no progression. I believe there will be. I believe that the panic button needs to be put back into the cabinet until next December. And anybody who hit the button last year, I already gave you your choices. Meet me in a side chat room so I can knock some sense to you or turn in your Dolphin fan card. There's no excuses for someone to bail on a rookie after nine games with all of what was going on with COVID injuries, no weapons. Let's see what he does. I, just like everything else, I'd like to give him three full seasons before I decide to tear up his contract and go in another direction. I'm ecstatic that the ownership group and the Dolphin coaching staff feels the same way I do, that they didn't go get a stellar backup quarterback. They didn't go draft a quarterback. They didn't draft a quarterback in the seventh round. They didn't go ahead and get someone that said, uh, we need, I totally agreed with getting Ryan Fitzpatrick there last year. You had a rookie quarterback. Let him sit, let him learn. I think they made the right decision by getting rid of Fitzpatrick because you can't go down that road again. You can't have the safety net there. Let him go out there and win or lose. Shy of an injury. I think my dog heard me knocking. Shy of an injury. Tua will be the starter for all, I don't know, I'm not used to saying this, all 17 regular season games. That is what he will do, and hopefully more into the playoffs. They're not going to bench him middle of the game for Jacoby Brissett. It's not going to happen. Give him some time. Call me in December. We'll Hopefully call me in February, and we'll reevaluate. But I'm I'm telling you, if you jumped off the bandwagon after nine games, I'm done with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is what I'll say about about our backup situation in Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is going to be one of the better, better backup quarterbacks in the league. Uh, so, yes, was he brought in in case the, the wheels fall off on Tua? Yeah, kind of. But also, look, quarterbacks get hurt in this league. Ryan Fitzpatrick missed it, uh, missed a couple of games. Tua came in and, and, you know, missed a couple of games. Quarterbacks get hurt. And so it's an, uh, you know, while we would all love for Tua to set the world on fire and start all 17 games, he could potentially have a great season and still get hurt and miss a few games. A few games that your starting quarterback misses, if you don't have a backup quarterback that is any good, 
that's the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. So if you have playoff aspirations, as this team does, you better have a good backup quarterback. Otherwise, you're one injury away from the entire season blowing up. And I don't believe that – I was gonna say I'll take that a step further. I'm not I'm not expecting them to win or make the playoffs if two is out for three or four games. I'm more concerned if he gets dinged up in the middle of the first quarter or late in the first half and has to be go checked for a concussion or has to limp off and get taped that they have a capable guy to go in there to play a quarter, to play a half, to finish a game if need be. If you're missing three or four games, I mean that's a quarter of your season. Very, very rarely, I know everybody can recite the Hostetlers of the world and Brady and Bledsoe, and it's happened. Yes, backup quarterbacks have gone on to win and and become Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. It's like 2% of the time. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. So he's there as it's what it is. We all have insurance. We all pay the bill in case we get sick. The Dolphins have paid the bill in case Tua gets dinged up. That's what that's about, and I'm perfectly comfortable with Jacoby Brissett being my guy. I don't need a Ryan Fitzpatrick back there because all that does is stir up the what if, the what if, the what if, and potentially divide locker rooms. And to me, that was one of the more underrated jobs that Brian Flores and Chris Greer did for that team last year was it was very easy for that locker room to become divided when they pulled a quarterback after a 4-2 and start who was playing top-10 quarterback level for a rookie. And the clubhouse did not get divided, even though there were camps of, of what people believed, and they went on and won 10 games. You're not going to have that situation this year. There's no QB controversy. There's no let's bench Tua and bring in Jacoby. There's no Fitzmagic. There's no safety net. Let Tua let him unleash and see what happens. Maybe he's not the guy. We could all be putting egg on our face come November if the Dolphins are 2-11 and 11 and Tua's terrible and, and, and the name of the show continues for the next 20 years. Or we could get the guy who was considered a once-in-a-generation quarterback, Alabama, who has what they consider the most accurate passer in the history of college football. We could get that, and he could go on to a Hall of Fame NFL career. That's why they play oh, the game. Or from your lips, my, from your lips to God's yeah, ears, David. That's that's why they play the game. That is why they play the games. And that, I think, is going to bring us to the end of an extended episode of the same old Dolphin Show. There it is. We did it. We assessed the roster position by position. We did a heck of a job. David, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, D. Behrman ESPN on Twitter, at D. Behrman ESPN. Uh, Send out a whole bunch of notes, stats, gambling nuggets. Uh, ESPN.com backslash chalk is our website that all the sports betting content is out there. Uh, We released the NFL win totals a few weeks ago before the draft. The schedule is next Wednesday, hoping to have some news coming up as opposed to what we're doing on Wednesday night against the schedule release. Uh, We should have some updated sports betting information after that. And, you know, if you want all that betting information and or um, fun stats and and, and stuff out there, maybe even a video of my kids scoring a touchdown on Sunday in the and it's a little flag football league, unfortunately. The the jersey is the Bills, but there's nothing much I can do about it. Uh, at D. Behrman ESPN, I, Josh, I put a protest in. I tried getting the name change. The yeah, that's rough. Then I was offered the Jets, so I, I, I stayed with them. Oh, so. <laughs> they made it worse. You made it worse. You just gotta, sometimes you just got to leave it as is. My son was all excited about the jersey, and I said, just don't look at the name on the front of it. Look at the name on that's the back. All. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Brain, where can the people find you? 
Of course, you can find me right there at Aaron the Brain on Twitter. Uh, and of course, right here on the same old Dolphin Show. Very good. And I am at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. And of course, every episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show is available at DolphinsTalk.com and on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. So if you haven't already, please like this video, smash the subscribe button. We appreciate it. We're almost to a thousand subscribers on the Dolphins Talk channel. So we appreciate that. Lots of good stuff coming your way. Of course, hello to all of our friends at FinHeaven.com. Thank you for supporting the show, everybody there on the biggest Miami Dolphins message board on the internet. Thank you for our, to our sponsor Manscaped as always make sure that you go to manscaped.com use the promo code dolphins talk all one word you get 20% off and free shipping when you order the lawnmower 4.0 the new and improved lawnmower so make sure that you take care of that we we're going to make sure that we get one out in the mail to Dan, to David there uh, pretty soon so that uh, he can take care of all of his uh, men's grooming needs you know very important stuff that you got to take care of and uh we will be back we're going into the off-season program here so things are going to slow down a little bit maybe we'll be back next week talk about the program uh the the schedule being released the brain is then gonna of course as he did last off-season gonna give us some episodes talking about some of these dolphins uh rookies that they've drafted maybe breaking down some film doing some film review and giving that to you here um on this uh the, the dolphinstalk.com and of course here on the same old dolphins feed as well so look out for all of that and uh yeah that's everything this episode's gone on long enough so we're gonna wrap it up thanks as always for listening we will talk to you again soon but for now take care of yourselves and each other we will talk to you again next time bye bye everybody go dolphins